You are listening to Talking Machines. I'm Catherine Gorman. And today we are breaking our regularly scheduled podcast episode format to bring you the rest of our conversation with Michael Malese and Charles Saidu that Neil got to have with them at Data Science Africa in Addis Ababa. And if you haven't heard the first part of the conversation, you can go back into and listen to it. It's our most immediate previous episode. But when we left Neil, Charles, and Michael, they were just about to start talking about iClear, ICLR, coming to Adidas Ababa in 2020. So let's join them back in the conversation. Uh, in, in the continent, in, in Africa, we are trying to bring uh, next year a big conference. I so that's ICLR. That's one of the case. Uh, though we are working hard uh, with all the team that exists uh, in Ethiopia as well as uh, over the continent. But this uh, problem won't appear on, the, on that one. I think it's amazing that ICLR is coming here. And, you know, I know Joshua Benjo has been a big driver for it, but it's going to be fascinating. So one thing I want to ask uh, both of you, actually, so ICLR is coming to Addis, it's 2020. So that's next year, right? Yes. So, Michael, starting with you, there's going to be a lot of international attendees coming in. What's the one major thing that you would like them to have learned having attended ICLR in uh, Addis? I don't mean just about... They'll learn great things about deep neural networks and everything else (laughs) and uh, how to do Adam and uh, stochastic optimization and everything. I'm thinking about what what are they going to learn from the meeting having been here on the continent where where we know there's a diversity of things going on, but there's commonality as well in terms of the challenges. Actually, we are trying to organize in collaboration with a number of institutes. So one thing they can uh, benefit is they are out of I mean, uh, uh, ICLR is going to be to the Africa for the first times. So the culture that we have is totally different uh, from theirs so that they can get a lot of benefit. And there are a lot of historical places that, uh, that they can visit that, that has been registered by UNESCO, including the Ladibela. We have a castle of Fatsil. There are a number so of... So spend a bit of time in the country. Get yes. to know the country. Get to know the, the countries country. is also one of the the opportunities for the for uh, for the researchers that are working on uh, on the on the area. Yes. Uh, Charles, how about yourself? What 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 yeah? What benefit do you think will come to the community by ICLR being held in Addis? What what what, what changes do you hope to come about? Obviously, things aren't going to change overnight. Uh, okay, so I think it's going to be both ways. There's quite read some really nice, fascinating projects happening around um, regions, for example, in Kampala and Nigeria, you know. And I think for them, they get to see what people are doing within these regions and to see that some of the work, the stuff that they talk about in these high-end conferences are being put to practical use and products are built from, from these things they're talking about. That's, I think that's going to be for them to benefit. For us, it's going to be more of us saying people we've always been talking about. We cite their papers, we work, yeah, and you know, and that collaboration meeting with um, people like minds, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. However, there is this slight problem moving within Africa. Yeah. Okay. So the conference is going to be in Ethiopia. Okay, but it costs a lot of money for me to Keep fly from Abuja, from to, Abuja Addis. to Addis. Yeah, because the. The same thing, all the flights go to Europe. So the traveling within Africa can be more, more expensive, expensive than traveling yes. to Europe. Yeah, so, so in a way, it's going to slow down the benefits that people from faraway countries will, will get 
from from the conference. So, and as you said, so that's, that's I mean, and this is this is the sort of challenge. What's the old expression? All roads lead to Rome, and in, yeah. in some sense, at the moment, all roads lead to the United States. Yeah. But the solutions coming out of the U.S. or Europe aren't good enough to deliver on the problems. So I always think it's like the hub and spoke topology is driving both things, both academically. Mm. You know, the, the hub is in the West. Yeah. And so academia is being driven towards a Western way of doing things. Yeah. And in terms of flights, you're effectively yeah. saying, yeah. we don't have that peer-to-peer -peer network of flights, just like we're lacking it a bit in um, academia within Africa to yes. drive the US. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And, and it really affects um, collaborations among, even though you could argue that we could do Skype or do some video conferences, it's not the same. So one of the things we tried to do with DSA, and I'm curious actually how you think, how well this is going to work in the West African context, because yeah. it's quite a lot bigger. Yeah. But when envisaging the meeting in the East, we initially primarily looked at places which were within a 24-hour bus ride of each yeah, other. Yeah. So uh, Arusha, Nyeri, Kampala, where we had the first three meetings, yeah. students can travel within 24 hours from one country to another and get there. Yeah. Now, we're a little bit away from that now. We're in Ethiopia. We were talking to a professor from Sudan yesterday that took 48 hours to travel here by bus from uh, Khartoum. So... Um, that's kind of a challenge, isn't it? The, yeah, it is. I mean, actually, I presume within Ethiopia, flights are pretty good. But yeah. as you start to Sumo, expand out yeah. to sort of Nairobi, Kampala, you, you lose the direct flights. Yeah, and, and that was one of the mo motivation behind bringing the ESA to, to the West African region. Because it's a lot, I don't want to say it's very cheap, but it's easier for, for a participant in, in Ghana, for example, to attend. Yeah. You know? But then again, if you want to have this cross collaboration between people from the West African region and people from the East African region, it becomes difficult. Yeah. You know, and if the meeting point is Ethiopia, fantastic. But then again, how easy would it be for a guy who is in Ghana or Nigeria or far away, maybe South Africa, to access this, um, to attend these, these programs? And that's a fundamental problem that we had. Yeah. When we were even doing the selection, yeah, because we said, yeah. okay, okay, we, if we were going to get sponsors for for people from far away areas, when you do the math, it's a lot of money, yeah, you know, and we had to do a trade off. Okay, so maybe we can't afford to get these number of people from far away countries, but we can get people within. The sub-region. And you also don't know the, say, the level of commitment. I mean, yeah. there's a, this is true everywhere. The, you know, of course, if there's a cool sounding meeting, people say they want to go. Yeah. But, but do they want to go and then do they want to follow it up? Is it, you know, there's different types of people. There's Precisely. the ones that just want it on their sort of CV and to say they did this. And there's the ones for whom it's actually life-changing yeah. in terms of a, it changes the direction of their work. Yeah, it did change the direction of my work also. So my, my first meeting at um, Arusha totally changed my perspective about things. And of course, I got to meet with a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and I want to believe that many people like me would want that kind of um, change. So if they get restri restricted by these constraints, it becomes really... The problem is you become overselective. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're not giving those opportunities out. Yeah. Um, but if, if, if you cast the net too wide, then um, you, you're like yeah. this concentration. It's yeah, a very yeah. difficult balance. Yeah, it is. You know, but, but that's the reason why you do selection. Yeah. You know, and then try to 
see who probably who will lead into will lead towards that direction and you try to make give support. Well and I think then one of the nice things that I see emerging over the years is as the network builds, yeah. you know, you know, we know we've got different people in different places. Good. And then they meet people, they make personal Good. connections that Good. you know you should Good. have because Good. they understand who will benefit. Good. And you know, that's one of the traditions at the meeting. Yeah. Like the next yeah. meeting is basically organized by someone like yourself, Charles, yeah. Yeah. who ships up and says, Can we please do this in a booker? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh okay. And it you yeah. know. Almost the test is if you're willing to go through everything the two of you being, have been through yeah. <laughs> to organize one of these meetings, you're probably pretty committed. Yeah. And then, you know. Um, and I think also it's good. Well, Ethiopia is a good opportunity for this one because I believe that I mean, Ethiopia is the hub for Africa. Yes. Uh, Ethiopian yeah. Airlines is going to. Pop, I, I it's totally going to. Agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Because if, um, if you need to go to from Tanzania to Ghana so that you have to fast throw Addis, yeah. it's yeah. through Ethiopia. We are the hub for the Africa. So that if you can organize, even for the ICML, it's not only for the, the benefit of the, uh, for the Africa, but also for the Western also. Because, I mean, uh, I hope everyone, you know, about the bias. Yeah. yeah. For the black people and the white, I mean, uh, the, the algorithm bias is yeah. one of the issues that has been raised even in, in, in NIPS or in Europe's you can take ICML, ICLR. They are all talking about the bias. Yeah. So that... They are coming to, to the right place to collect yeah, whatever I, the information that they are, they are, they are looking I, for. I, I totally agree. And I think um, to solve the problem of migration, it's the reason why we have, for example, DSA in these regions. We can't expect everybody who has interest to go to um, a DSA program in, in maybe East Africa. Likewise, we can't expect everybody who has interest to go from East Africa to West Africa to attend this conference. So if you have clusters of these, well, these meetings, it helps spread, in a way, reduces some of the problems that we have. Remember I said, we try to look for solutions for our problems. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, they may not be, for example, I, I was told in Europe, you could fly from one country to another in less than $200. Is that true? Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, it's not the same in Africa. No. I mean, in for, for really um, long distance flights. So if we have these clusters, which is what we're doing, you know, the next, uh, the next DSA is, is in Ghana, and it will sort of address these local commute problems that we have. And then the people who are super interested in what we do, we can easily identify them from other yeah. regions and, and then and still have this meeting. Critical. And those people, those set of people who come from, say, the East African region, will still maintain their group, get information and um, knowledge yeah. from what we have in a different region and still spread it. So it's yeah. it's some way of solving our own problems, basically. Yeah. I, I totally agree. You've got the commonality of the problems that we've talked about. Yeah. You've got the diversity of approaches and solutions. Precisely. I think my favorite bit about DSA and Abuja was mm. the fact that most of the lectures, so now in DSA, most of the lectures are actually given by people who were attendees at the first DSA. So yeah. this is one yeah. of the ways we scale. So that just meant that at DSA in Abuja, most of the lectures were being given by East Africans, Kenyans, Tanzanians, Ugandans. Exactly. And what was so wonderful is the cultural difference between the audience, who was this yeah. really loud Nigerian yeah. group that are heckling yeah. and yeah. shouting. Yeah. There was this uh, the the whole the whole talk on blockchain, which was a very serious talk. Yeah. It wasn't a high yeah. talk. Yeah. But the, do you remember with this sort of shout? Are you telling me I could yeah. use this for yeah. bananas and everything? <laughs> And just the cultural difference between the, the trainers, who I just thought did an amazing job, but I was wondering what it meant to be exposed to that as a teacher. 
Because if I think of myself, like, why do I teach a lot and not mind about these things? Because when I was quite young, I was also exposed to similar things, getting ripped yeah. to shreds by an audience in yeah. a different culture yeah. and surviving it and going on to think, hey, that's okay. You know, it's a great experience. It is. It is. It's, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you have that same experience too. Even though as a local organizer, you're basically running all over the place. You know, yeah. you, you really don't have time to attend. Uh, to really listen to some of these programs. I was talking to, to Dina the other day. I said to her, well, Dina, who organized yeah, the Arusha. Yeah, who organized the Arusha. Um, and she's the, the program chair for... She's the program yeah, chair here, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. The so I was saying to her, look, um, you know, now I can sit and really enjoy the benefits <laughs> of the lectures. You know, yeah. while, we were at, while we were in Abuja, I was practically everywhere. Yeah, like Michael. Yeah, same like Michael. Believe it or not, I didn't even attend one of the sessions because yeah. there are a lot of things that I have to do here and there. Someone's yeah. coming up and saying, oh, I need some water, the power's yeah. down, yeah, I need yeah, some yeah. data, we've got a problem out. Of the... Yeah, probably I will be in uh, next DSA in uh, Ghana. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So enjoying. during that time, yeah, just like as like, uh, Charles is enjoying uh, DSA at this, probably I will do it. They say Ghana. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that that's, uh, but that's key, isn't it? I mean, and, and learning that, you know, I think certainly my early career, organizing workshop, the first one I did felt massively intimidating. It felt like a big thing. And then quickly I learned, oh no, this is all right. But it took doing one to yeah. break through and realize, no, this is possible. And understanding what are the important things you need to worry about? What's the stuff you don't need to worry about? You know, like there's loads of stuff that seems important that you just don't have to worry about. Like the main thing is that the people come and show up in the same place. That's like your number one thing. After that, everything's fine. Yeah. You know, particularly with an academic workshop, right? But I think you only really learn that once you've done it. Yeah. And then once you've done it, you can support other people. And that's why we have this system of the program chair and the general chair. And typically the program chair is someone that's done it before. And the general chair is the person that's doing it for the first time. For me, it was... It was a huge task. I, I started to, I, I was saying to myself, oh, this is, how can you pull a lot of people from different regions into, in one space and try to manage them? You know, it was, it was almost like, can I do this? Can we really pull this off? You know, but the moment we got into it, yeah, it was a totally different. But what you had to do around visas was just extraordinary. Oh, well, <laughs> you, were, I mean, you know, to get the visas going through and everything yeah. else, the, the work around that. But yeah. but did you not have that feeling? The first, so I uh, organized AI Stats in Cagliari in uh, I guess it's 2012 or 2010 or something. First time in Europe, and I took it on because I wanted AI Stats to be in Europe for similar reasons to what we're talking about now. At the time, I felt we weren't seeing enough European conferences and uh, so I put the effort into bringing the conference in there's this sort of magical moment when I was sitting in the lobby and the first attendees start arrive it's just yeah. a sort of weird thing you just yeah. say yeah. yeah on this date we're all going to come exactly. here and I, I think you only get it as an organizer and yeah. it's almost like you can't quite believe they come yeah because you spent all this time doing this other stuff and they're like Oh, they're here they yeah. actually so you just say we should come here and people yeah. do exactly so that feeling was for me, it was, it was awesome, really. <laughs> it just took away all the stress of organizing it. Yeah. You know, I just felt this fulfillment that this is actually happening and yes. we're actually pulling this off and it's, it's, it's here and it's, it's going very well. And, that's, and I believe you feel that way too, you know, getting people all over Africa to come into in one location and, you know, 
Yeah, uh, actually, uh, for my country, I mean, things make it uh, nowadays, it is easy for us to, because the visa on arrival is one of the, it's going to solve mo uh, most yeah. of the problems. Yeah. yeah. So unless there is some restriction from their own sides, because some of the, mm -hmm. some of the country, they may require, I mean, they need to make sure that uh, you have the, uh, the grant for visa on arrival. Uh, to, yeah, so to just be to be clear, so visa on arrival is a lot of countries. Actually, Nigeria yes. doesn't have it, which is why... There's well, a, well, we do, actually. Uh, we do. But it's just, uh, just to but, clarify, it's the visa you pay for at the airport when you arrive, rather than having to go to the embassy to people. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah, 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 precisely. Yeah, but the case is, in, in our country, I mean, uh, I know uh, some of the cases, which I don't need to mention the country, they have been requested to uh, get some grant that visa on arrival is granted. I'm really happy so you have that... you have a guarantee on visa on arrival? A visa on arrival uh, uh, guarantee is a must for the immigration to leave their, their own country. Right. So that's one of the problems. Ah, I, I mean, see. They have right, right, right. You have to have a visa on arrival system in place in before place. immigration will allow you to leave. Yes. That's and, one and of the problems. I think that that's what another set of problems that people don't understand. As we were walking up the hill yesterday with John Quinn and, and Daniel from Kampala, Daniel was talking about a friend of his who decided to walk across Uganda. And he was saying the amount of trouble he got in with police for walking across, because what the hell are you doing walking across the country? It must only be something to do with rebels or something that this is an odd behavior. If a European does it, okay, that's fine. But one of the really big challenges for Africans traveling across Africa, they face barriers sometimes yeah. that Europeans aren't facing. Although it is true that for the first time when people come to ICLR, people will face an issue around visas, which they, uh, Europeans and Americans, which they haven't had to face before. Of course, for Chinese uh, researchers and African researchers, they're constantly dealing with this all the time to go places. But it's always a thing for me, like, Every time in DSA, I, oh, I have to find out how to do the visa, you know. And so I'm, I'm learning a bit what it's more like for people who, who aren't benefiting from uh, these sort of visa waiver schemes that yeah. a lot of the European countries have. I think you didn't face in Ethiopia these days. You didn't face think, Yeah, uh, things are easy for, uh, for, the, for, for the foreigner to come to Ethiopia. Yeah. It's a straightforward. Just uh, the immigration office so cooperative. Just uh, what they need is I only the confirmation with regard to that The immigration office and... Um um, Ethiopian immigration office in Nigeria, they were very, very helpful. Yeah, they were yeah. They were very quick for me. I was yeah. nervous yeah. post-Nigeria, yeah. but um, they were very quick. Michael mm. got a few letters for me. I, yes. I got the conference visa. Yeah. It's a business visa, um, but you have to have a couple of invitation letters. And once I submitted yeah. it, it was just yeah, turn was, around yeah, within 24 yeah. hours. Yeah, it was, it was great. the same thing for me. An electro e-visa, it was electronic. Um, yeah. Tourist visa is visa on arrival as... Uh, uh, Michael was saying that you just arrive and think you pay $50 as a queue. And also, um, there's this guy who came from, from Nigeria, Emmanuel. He also got the tourist visa and he was really, I just waited and he just got his visa and just came out. Yeah. And we, so it was easy, actually. Yeah. yeah. So what final lessons like for listeners, Charles? I mean, we already talked about what could people take away from coming uh, to ICLR. But yeah, so what... Um, what, what final thought would you like to have people think about when they're thinking about deploying data science or machine learning in the African context? Well, um, if you don't do it, you never know. I think people just have to get their hands dirty. Yeah. You've reminded me of that question that came up with DSA Nigeria, which keeps coming up. is like, why don't we invite government ministers 
to oh. these meetings? <laughs> and uh, the, the answer is um, because government ministers are about talking yeah. and, and DSA like, is about, about doing. doing it. Yes. So do it. Yes, just do it. Do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Um, you dive into it. Exactly. Into it. Yeah. So you do it, you, you, get the, you see the challenges, you try to find your way around the challenges and you learn in the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, not only that one. And we have to uh, also push, each country has to push their governments to, uh, to apply the machine learning techniques in order to yeah. do each and everything. Everywhere, whenever you go, I mean, they are uh, afraid to give a data. I mean, my, most of the resources are available yeah. in, the, in the government. Let's say that if you take my country, uh, Ethiopia Telecom, uh, which provides a telecom service for all, uh, all over the Ethiopia, they do have a, lo a lot of uh, data. And you, you can, there are a number of organizations having this data. So bureaucracy is one of the things so that we have to penetrate these things in order to excel and to, to solve our own problems. Yeah. To solve our own problems, the government has to... Uh, something that's going on very well, I think, in Kenya, there's a big open data initiative, but getting the governments on board with data sharing. So I think the things, just to summarize, I think some of the things we've covered is like, Doing uh, when you're thinking about data science, machine learning in, in the African context, I think many of the challenges are there that you see everywhere. But uh, you end up there's a couple of things. There's a lack of existing infrastructure, which I think has two effects. One's very positive, one's negative. The positive effect is you get to work the whole pipeline yeah. from one end to the other. But the negative effect is the other side of that coin, that you actually have to work across all these dimensions. There's a lack of existing. You have to negotiate. You need this robustness. You need this yeah. flexibility as well as the technical capability. Yeah. But it's a, for me, it's a fascinating place to do machine learning. And I personally think you guys are really lucky to have this sort of wealth of applications, which is why I keep coming here. I'd like to thank you both very much for uh, sitting down and talking with us. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Michael Malese and Charles Saidu. That's it for us this week on Talking Machines. I'm Catherine Gorman. And I'm Neil Lawrence. Tune in next episode.